Welcome to the Mind Talks podcast. You are with myself, Nathan, and my co-host, Edwin. Today's guest is a former Division I basketball player who played at Sacred Heart University in Fairfield. Currently, they are a social media and digital content publisher for the WNBA. In addition, she is a sports reporter and has her own podcast entitled Life After, which is about life after college for former athletes and those getting ready to graduate. Warm, warm, warm welcome to Miss Taikira Carter. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing well. How about you guys? Not too bad. Yes, yes, yeah, good, good, good. It's good to have you on, actually. Really, really good to have you on. So, you know, we've got a tradition on Mind Talks is really to take our guests back. So can you just talk to us um, about your first living memory of a sport, either playing or watching? So my first living memory of a sport, playing or watching, um, I guess I can backtrack to, I initially was a cheerleader. So I used to cheer when I was, when I was growing up and I used to cheer for my brother's football team. Um, and I used to go to like his basketball practices and stuff like that. And when I would go there, I realized like, I don't want to cheer. I want to play basketball. So I would always be like, uh, at his games and stuff like that, like shooting, like if I had on like flip flops or something like that, like it didn't matter. I didn't even have on basketball stuff. Like I was just trying to get out there and like do what he did or whatever. Um, so those are one of my most vivid, like early memories of playing the sport. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's like kind of odd, simple. <laughs> <laughs> Far was, from it. Was basketball... Th- um, the early sport that stood out for you growing up or was there other sports that you liked as well? So my parents kind of put me in a whole bunch of different things. Like um, I was in like ice skating lessons. I don't know if they were just trying to keep me busy or whatever, but I did like ice skating lessons. Um, typical of a kid, but like, you know, swimming lessons. Uh, I would go run and kick a soccer ball, like, you know, uh, whatever that would keep me active. Um, like I said, cheerleading, but basketball was the one that I stuck with and kind of ran with and was pretty decent at. How important was it that you played a variety of sports before making that, you know, um, choice to go into basketball? What was the importance of actually really trying out a variety of sports? I think initially as kids, you don't necessarily understand, like, if you, you'll like something until you try it. And I can even say the same for, like, your adult life like if you go into a job that you dread or you think you're going to dread but you also have like something that might spark an interest in it and that's why you applied in the first place like you you might end up working somewhere and you like really love it so I feel like that's the mindset that my parents had as far as uh let's get our kids active make sure we sign them up in you know different things and if for anything to get them out the house you know we'll understand if they like it or not like shoot I even did gymnastics like I was like tumbling and all that other stuff so uh, <laughs> it's more so you know which which one you kind of stick to and which one you you're more drawn to as you get older and I think um you can voice that at a certain age when you were drawn to basketball, was that something that you were good at when you were young or was that something that you had to develop as you carried on playing? 
I think basketball is, you know, you have some people who just have that God-given talent, like they pick up a ball, they're just great, but uh, development is key, and I think that's in most sports when you play at a competitive level, that is. So was I always the best? No. Did I become really good at one time in my area and was like leading and scoring and stuff like that? Yes, but uh, you know, it, it was a lot of hard work, dedication, hours in the gym, waking up early when I didn't really want to, but um just love for the sport let's explore those early stages so let's take it back to your first team you know you the first training sessions and really getting into the first game um how was it for you in terms of the team dynamics how was it easy for you to settle in or was it a little bit more difficult just talk to us about that journey in the, in the early stages so when i was younger we used to go to the boys and girls club um, which was near where we lived and all the kids who basically played basketball in my area kind of went there and they had um, this early morning session called Ballers Inc. And it was kids from like, I don't know, probably like six years old all the way up to like kids about to go to high school or middle school. And we would just all be in there like doing like ball handling and different sessions and we would break out into groups and those are one of my vivid memories is that <laughs> it doesn't matter how old you are like you can go and get that work in and uh it takes dedication from like your parents to like wake you up they want to take you to do those things and keep you like I said active once again is a word that I'll use and um it was, it was fun, like running around a, with a whole bunch of different other kids. I didn't always want to get up in the morning to go, but it's one of those rewarding feelings. Like after you work out, you're like, I glad, you know, I'm glad I did this. Um, another thing is I didn't always have the best attitude, more so like if I couldn't do something, like I would get really upset in my feelings about it. And like my dad, <laughs> my dad didn't like that. So uh, for a while when I was younger, um, this wasn't with my first teams. This was maybe like late elementary school, middle school. My dad made me stop playing because my attitude was like bad. Cause like, I would just get really, <laughs> I would get really like mad or just upset. Like when I couldn't do something right. And so, um, it made me transform. He gave me another chance to play again. And then at that time, I think I was like all in. As far as like a first team that I played with was probably at the Dale City Rec Center. And I can honestly tell you, I don't remember my first <laughs> or um, I don't remember my first game. It's, it's interesting you said attitude because Nathan himself, <laughs> that was probably one of his <laughs> biggest issues when he used to like compete when he was younger. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, but it's understandable, right? Like, if you can't do something or if, like, somebody on the court makes you mad or, like, your trainer is, like, going at you, like, early in the morning, you're like, man, get on my nerves. Like, you need to, like, catch an attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so moving, moving from um, to the next bit. So, in terms of your parents, how much of a positive influence was it having them there? Because... Not everyone has that when they're young, when it comes to sport. Look, we've, we've got friends that their parents didn't care if they did any exercise or not. <laughs> how, how, how was it for you? Everything. Like, 
first of all, growing up in a two-parent household, like you have to understand that's a blessing in itself because some people come into this world and don't know their dad or they don't, um, you know, have people who raise them properly. And for me to have two parents who were there through and through and no matter how much something would cost, like they would make sure I got it. They were able to supply me with basketball shoes, clothes, whatever. Um, And at the time when I was younger, I didn't understand that it was a sacrifice that they were making, but on my part, my sacrifice and reward to them was getting a full scholarship. So I I think understanding that piece of it as I've gotten older has made the blessing like, you know, better because my parents did care. My parents did want their kids to have a better life than what they had growing up. Um, My parents have been together since middle school. So they've known each other for a a very long time and they had their first kid as seniors in high school, my oldest brother. So in knowing that and knowing that they had at the time three younger children, but always made sure that they put us first and that they just let us try different things and, uh, it didn't matter if the you know the money was low. Maybe they they couldn't afford it at the time as a kid. You don't know those things, but as you get older, you appreciate it even more that they they took that time out for you. Some of the best athletes in every sport are some of the worst trainers. So, in terms of training, where did you where do you stand? Were you somebody that really thrived uh, under training conditions, or were you somebody that just kind of was a little bit more conservative and said, actually, do you know what? On on the actual match day, I will deliver. Where 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 were you in that? As far as like making sure I was proactive and working on my skills. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I worked out often. Like, my dad would (laughs) make us get up at, like, 6 in the morning, go to the gym. Sometimes I would go to the gym before school. Then you have practice after school. Um, I didn't really have a a problem with that piece and making sure, like, I was working out. But I also came up during a time where uh, it was competitive in the area that I lived in, and a lot of girls was playing basketball and stuff like that too. So we had different training facilities where I could go and train with like other girls, or um, my dad would pay for me to go with like a trainer in Washington D.C. or in like Rockville, Maryland, or something like that. So we invested in the training process to make sure uh, that my brother and I could get you know some of the best work that we could. And what what made you decide, okay, I can play basketball at college level? Um, I, I don't know if it was more so a decision, but it was this a passion, like a want to. I thought I was I was good enough to. I played, you know, long enough, like all my life where it was like if I don't go to the next level, like what else am I gonna do? It was my desire. Like I, I really love the game of basketball, and I felt as though uh, I was good enough to play on the next level. And I did, you know, I kind of checked the boxes for a person who could get there as far as playing on teams that brought me exposure, traveling around the country, playing in these tournaments in front of college coaches. It's like when you do that your whole life, you're you're trying to set yourself up to be in that position to play Division One basketball. I want to take it back to um, 
the era, the period where you know your dad stopped you from playing, and then you came back. So it was almost like a you know a, a reset, and you know presumably your your attitude was better. Can you talk to us in hindsight? Um, what was the biggest lessons that that came out from you know having that period away and then coming back? What what, what was your biggest lessons? Uh, my biggest lessons is like you, you learn like you know the saying you don't know what you got till it's gone like you, know, <laughs> you miss it and it's like I, I i miss playing and being out there and it was like all right like I, I will get myself together and my stuff together as long as like i could play this sport that i adore and that i care about and you know i think that was the biggest lesson when you take something away uh and, and you miss it like you'll do anything to get it back but when it comes to attitudes, some of, some of the greatest sports stars have bad attitudes. But, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, think, I think it's levels to it, though. Like, if you have yeah. a bad, uh, you have an attitude to the point where nobody wants to work with you, like, yeah. you know, they're going to be like, forget this. Like, you're not going to be treating people X, Y, Z way. Um, yeah. And I think some people who have really bad attitudes who are already on the next level is like, well, you're in the NBA now. You're getting paid this many dollars like mm-hmm. you almost deserve to be able to have that type of attitude yeah. or mindset in which you have so mm-hmm. i definitely feel like it's levels and my dad just felt like like you know you're you're too young or you know you're not passionate enough to be acting this way and what what do you think that you did to control it so that you wouldn't go above like the barrier <laughs> like that attitude i mean i wasn't a maniac or anything mm. right like i was like just a kid who from time to time talked back like you know mm. you have some parents who really don't play that and <laughs> mine was one yeah. of that so it's not like i was like uh, super rude to people or anything like that or i wasn't like a uh cussing people out or you know yeah. running around trying to knock people's head off it mm. was more so like my personal relationship with my dad at the time like he okay wasn't feeling the way that I was, you know, acting and going about things. So that that's all that was. But it wasn't like a um I was I was treating people wrong or being like a, a mean person. Yeah. Yeah, I think um when you hear, you know, attitude or, you know, people are temperamental and you know, as I didn't said, some of the, you know, some of the best players they have this this energy because that's all it is really when you really just break it down and unpack it it's just energy so i guess my next question what is to, how did you harness that energy to to make it more positive because this supposed bad attitude it's just energy so as as long as you can almost cultivate it to and make it into a positive it can be something great so with this kind of energy that you had in you this innate energy how did that help you perform um at basketball when you was playing basketball well i think as a player i became more of like a a, a team player who exhausted my energy within the team which means, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I'm clapping, cheering, all this other stuff. Um, and that also led to my play on the court. Like, I'm trying to do whatever it takes to win by all means. Like, I'm, I'm diving on the floor for loose balls, like um, defense stops. I got you. Like, trying to be more so that all-around player and exert that into good energy, so to speak. Yeah. And um, with, with basketball, playing in a team sport. Did you find it quite easy to play in a team sport? Just say things were going badly. Would you be would you be able to let's say someone was playing bad, would you 
think, okay, we're a team, or was that something that may have been a challenge? No, I mean, I think, quite frankly, with playing sports, and you're playing on a level where you want to be at your best always, but maybe your teammate is not, Mm. It's, it's hard to say and maybe bad to say, but sometimes you're not thinking about if your teammate is not having a great game because you're worried about your exposure and are you playing well and our coaches checking you out. So uh, I think that's, you know, a, the real way of putting it, although it may sound selfish. Now, when it comes to losing and, you know, winning and losing games, of course you want your teammates to do good, but it depends on what level that you're talking about. If you're talking about AAU, which is really big in the U.S., and coaches are coming to your games, and those are the main events where the exposure happens and where you're getting recruited, essentially, to go play at your school, it's like, yes, you absolutely want to win, but the most important thing is individual performance. You know, hard to say, sad to say. Um, And they also are looking to see, like, are you a team player? So it's like, of course I want my teammates to do well. I want them to look good and stuff like that. But does it kill you at an AU tournament if your teammate doesn't play well and you do? No, it doesn't. Um, and then on the other hand, in college, when my thing is I wanted to do whatever it took to get on the floor and all I wanted to do was win, I wanted all my teammates to play well. I wanted all my teammates to shine and I wanted to play my part and do whatever I could to help win because I wanted to leave with a ring which unfortunately I didn't, but that was my goal. Like I just wanted to go to the NCAA tournament and go dancing. <laughs> how did you do with, how do you do with pressure so at college level because uh, you know people in the UK really cannot really fathom the the pressure so you know going to America and I was there for one year and I saw just the sheer coverage of a, a variety of sports and actually when I came back to England um, it's the reason why I got ESPN because I wanted to continue watching you know just the, the, the college American football college ball you know um, college basketball so just playing at college level how did you deal with that pressure or is that something that um, you know you were already prepared for I think you're just prepared to do it you know it's kind of what you live for you put in all this work alone and you put in this work with your teammates, like you want people to come out to your games. You want to have like that, you know, that good pressure on you to perform well. Um, and I think for some people, it might be a little more overwhelming, like, you know, the number one player in the country, so to speak, her day might be a little bit more different than mine. I wasn't the number one player in the country. You know what I mean? We mm. wanted people <laughs> to come to our games and, and, and support and know that uh, we, we put in work in the off season for these big moments. So I think pressure is just kind of what comes with the sport and it comes with um, playing sports in general and dealing with it is a, a, a mental thing more so. Like I could, I could fathom the, the mental piece of it because that's what basketball is. Basketball is about what, like 80, 90% mental. The rest is physical. Um, so, you know, just being mentally tough and locked in. Did you find it straightforward to play at a high level, um, let's say, playing at the level that you train at? Or did you, when it came to a match to match day, the level that you were training at was not the same? Sometimes it, it depends. Hmm. So I'm pretty sure you guys probably heard that, say you go up against a team where you don't think they're as good as your team. <laughs> 
sometimes (laughs) you can play down to their level and Mm. and that's again that's like another that's another mental thing like you come out you be like yeah we about to bust them like blah 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 blah. we about to beat them by 30 next thing you know they in a game with you like a team that has no business being on the same floor as you is in the game with you so i think that's another part of the the mental aspect of the game of basketball but then you have to you have to also think about um just going out there and playing well and sometimes it, it does happen that way like sometimes you're like yeah this is this moment is what i train for this is where all the hours of the gym come by so i think that's the beauty of the game of basketball sometimes you really just don't know what's going to happen you can't determine how somebody is going to play um and you know that's that's just kind of, kind of how the game goes one of the areas that we really like to cover is you know player coach relationships so can you just talk to us about a coach that really stands out and what was it about them that really really um attracted you and really actually basically they got the best out of you ah man that's that's a hard one because i I have a a couple coaches that i really loved and who like pushed me and made sure I was at the top of my game, not only from a playing standpoint, but a leadership standpoint. Yeah. Um, but if I had to just say say one coach, my senior year, um, her name was Coach Keisha Walton. I played at T.C. Williams High School, which is in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah. Um, with her, it was about putting my game in together as a whole. I knew that I could score the basketball. I knew that I was a good scorer. I knew that when I put my mind to it, I was a pretty good defender. For her, it was how can you be a good leader and try to lead this team, help us win and put that all together and be a senior and just topple on a leadership role as well and want the the best for everybody in your team. Even if you have a bad night, are you still going to be a great teammate and can people look to you? And I think that's something that she pushed me to do. And I think it's something that I excelled at and kind of uh, carried on with me to college um, and, and forward. With coaches, some people react different to different coaches. So with yeah. the way she was with you, did some people, did it affect their game neg- negatively in terms of how, if she's talking to you one way, could she talk to someone else that way and it could have a um, impact on them in a, a negative way? Uh, I think so. Everybody's mindset is different. Like, I could get yelled at and I'm just like, all right. Like, you know, Mm. like kind of like shake it off. While another person, you might not be able to yell at them because that will topple their game. Like, it'll it'll affect their whole entire play. Like, everything will go downhill for them. So I think it's a testament to just being, um, you know, who you are. And everybody doesn't respond to being talked to a certain way knowing that uh, some people don't understand that she's not yelling at you to be mean to you or to get on your butt. It's trying to get the best out of you. But uh, everybody's mind doesn't work that way. And like we said, mentally, they're not tapped into that aspect. So I think coaches understand that uh, I I might have to talk to this player this way because she's going to respond differently while opposed to somebody like Taikira, like I can yell at her, like, uh, she she might get upset or she might you know start talking trash back to me or something a little bit or she or or she's gonna take it as a challenge, but it's okay because at the end of the day I knew like 
uh, you know, if she didn't really like me, she probably wouldn't be talking to me. Or if she felt this type of way about me, then we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation because she wouldn't care whether I did yeah. or not. And uh, I think that's how I was with basically most of my coaches, to be honest. Do any games stand out where self-doubt kicked in and you just said to yourself, no, nah, this is not happening today, but you ended up winning the game? Is there any game that stands out? And if one does, talk to us about that game. Huh. Well, a game that I can remember in particular, we ended up winning, but we thought we were going to lose. Uh, my senior year, we was playing on the first round of regionals. It's my senior year of high school. Um, going up against a team called South Lakes. Yeah, and it was it was coming down to the wire. They they were uh, I believe projected to win or whatever, or more people thought they were. Yeah, gonna, they had a size advantage. They had uh, <laughs> a pole player at the time who was going to Old Dominion University, which is um, pretty decent conference. She was like six four. She was you know all met type player, um, and you know she was killing it. And I think at that time our team was just like you know we're we're too good as a team to let one player or two people beat us and you know we we kind of pulled through i hit some clutch shots i don't remember how much i scored that game might have been like 14 or 15 something of that sort but uh it helped us advance to the next round so i feel like those are the the best games where you kind of like nah we weren't we're not going like that like we gotta, <laughs> gotta pull this one out i don't care what it takes you might leave here with some blood on you it don't matter like you gotta win <laughs> Uh, and I, I believe that was that was definitely one of those games. What would you say was the biggest challenge in terms of you playing and your personal life, combining them together? I think fighting through adversity. Um, mm. Because everything is not rainbows and butterflies playing the game of basketball. Uh, it, it can be really challenging at times and it's like, are you going to get to the wall and stop running? Or are you going to run through that wall and excel? And I think that's something that I took on in life too. Like just never quit, never give up. Uh, there was, you know, my, my college career, I didn't always play. I was not always a starter. Um, but one thing that I did learn was I'm good enough. Like, you know, whatever good enough takes to get me on the floor, like I'm going to I'm going to try to do that. So I think not being a quitter or, or stopping and understanding like your worth as a competitor uh, is something that I took on with me into my afterlife and, you know, work field as being an adult, like um, there, there really is no quit in me. That's interesting. You mentioned um, you not always starting. So I guess one of the, uh, I guess if there was a young person right now listening and they're going through, you know, um, a little bit of a crisis in their career where they're not necessarily starting. However, they do believe that they should be starting and, you know, they're considering leaving because, you know, they think it's uh, some form of an injustice and, you know, they just can't take it anymore because they just honestly believe they should start. What would be your advice to that individual to ensure that they actually um, persevere and continue rather than just stepping away? Well, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Um, so that so that's for one thing. My, my yeah. second advice would be 
if you discuss with your parents and whoever your guardian figure is or, or the person who you trust the most with your career and what's going to be best for you, do what you feel is going to be best for you. So if that is stepping away or going to another school, transferring or whatever, then do it. But don't make rash decisions because one thing didn't go right in practice and, oh, now I'm ready to go or I can't take this anymore. Or shoot, even maybe you had a rough season and, you know, you didn't play as much as you wanted to. Always think things through before you just make a decision because it could be bigger than that. Um, I had moments where I wanted to leave my school, but I thought about it from all aspects. Academically, uh, was that going to be a smart decision to make? Um, you know, did I want to start all over with a new place? And then you have to always think, is the grass going to be greener on the other side? Because you could leave somewhere and go back to like the same situation. Um, so just understand like all that, you know, the little aspects and nuggets that go into making rash decisions so uh that that would be my advice to them you can you can fight through adversity you know but your situation is going to be different than the next person it's going to be different than mine so i can't tell somebody whether to leave or to say but i can definitely tell you like make sure you you absolutely like think things through and think it through from every count account for everything that goes into your decision how was how was it like to balance basketball and college? It wasn't bad, you know. It it was actually okay. I graduated early, so I graduated um, in three years with my bachelor's degree. My fourth year in school, I was in the grad program, so um, I got two degrees out of my scholarship. I didn't have to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, academically, I just made sure I was on top of my stuff. Met with my advisors had relations I went also went to a smaller school so um somewhere where there might be like 30 to 100 people in a lecture class at max I probably had like 20 people in a class and that was rarely so I really got to have like relationships with my teachers if I needed to um I did summer school for what three four straight years so I was in summer school on top of getting my classes and stuff like that done so I think, uh, you know, just lock in, dedication, um, understanding like your university and the requirements that you need are important, like for your degree. Uh, yeah. So balancing it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, actually. It, it was actually all right. I, I did it. It was only one class that I remember I vividly struggled with. And that was my um, freshman year. I was taking math and I've always just, I was just never good at math. It's, it's not something for me. And they were like, if you get out of this class with a C, you'll never have to take a math class again. And so I was like, all right, I just got to pass at this point. So I passed, never, never took another math class in college or in my life. So <laughs> that, that, that was it. Fair play. Um, so we've got Jordan and Pippin. You've got Kobe and Shaq. So what about yourself? Was there anybody that just you played with um and we're not equating yourself you know to those you know those great um duos but was there any one or maybe two of two or three other players that just really got you ticking so when you knew these one or two individuals were playing on in the same side as you you just knew you know you were going to perform and you know things were going to happen 
Yeah, so I had a, a teammate who I got to play with. Her name was Candace. She was a transfer from Liberty University. She was just a, a good, like, real good point guard. Uh, I really enjoyed her game, fast tempo, knew that she was going to find me, find everybody else on the floor. Like, she could score, so her first goal was to, like, you know, try to get others involved, but she could also uh, do her thing on a scoring tip, too. Um and then I also had another teammate. Um, let's see, we want to go high school or, or yeah. college here? No, either or. It's fine. It's fine. Either yeah. or. All right. Um, my senior year, I played with my point guard, Rejoice, and she, she, was, she was pretty good. I enjoyed playing with rejoice i knew that um she was going she was also a player who was going to try to get others involved but also um you know she could do her thing so it was just a, a fun aspect as a whole was there any teams that you played and everyone was just everyone's levels was just just increased because you knew it was going to be a battle yeah definitely <laughs> um we played against uh, so Robert Morris, who they're no longer in our conference uh, anymore in the NEC. They they have moved on, but we knew that when we were going to play Robert Morris, it was it was up and it was stuck. Like we had to you know get after it. We knew it was going to be a good game. Like before that game, you made sure you get your rest. You made sure like you know you're locked in, you're focused. Uh, you know I, I'm. I knew every time we played them, like, it, it was going to be a good one, might come down to the wire. We might beat them by a lot, but they're going to play hard. Uh, and they, they were just really well coached. Um, they always had good players. They had a lot of players from, like, overseas who would come to their school, um, and they, they would flat out do it. So Robert Morris and then another school, St. Francis uh, PA, playing them, we were – the years that I was at my school, we were always the teams who were near like the top of the conference, so we always knew it was a battle. It was going to be a battle when we uh, would go up against them—a fun battle, but uh, a battle. Um, so, I think in two thousand and seven to two thousand and eight, I was at West Virginia University, just part of an exchange program, and it was the perfect year for me because, um, in terms of uh, um, football, what was happening over there is they were just one game away from getting to the the main ball and the main main championship game, and then they played their local rival Syracuse, and then bang, Syracuse beat them, and West Virginia were favourites and. It was it was so it was just amazing. The biggest memory because when we after losing and then walking down those streets, it was so eerie. You couldn't hear nothing. You couldn't hear a pin drop. It was absolute silence. And I think that's when I first realized about the rivalry. You know, even at college level. So can you talk to us just really about the rivalry between um, you know local colleges and really just get the UK listeners to really understand how big that rivalry is. It's nothing like it. You think that you prepare for a rivalry as a player. Your school is preparing for that rivalry as well. T-shirts out. Like, uh, you probably, I don't know, might have been like a white out that game or something like that. Like, they plan, like, everybody wear white. Like, we're going to fill this arena up. The the noise in the arena. It's like as a player, you're locked in. You kind of, you know, you you get that stuff out of your system like you don't even really pay attention to it but 
I think it's after the game is when you realize, like, dang, like, it was really crazy up in here. It was packed up in here. And, you know, one of the rivalries who will, you know, do it the best and will hope to see it when COVID is over is, like, Duke and North Carolina basketball. Um, one of the best rivalries in college basketball, undeniably. And you see you got the Cameron crazies in the gym. Like, they, like, trying to touch the players with their hands on you and stuff like that. They camp out for these games to, get, to even get in the gym. Um, I can't say that was, you know, happened at my school necessarily. But um, when it's a rivalry, like you, you, you understand, like you, you don't like this team, like you don't, you don't care for them, you don't nothing about them. Might see some trash talking on Twitter or something the night before between the schools or like different players, <laughs> or something like that. Like it's, it's a big deal when you're about to play against your rival school. That's the thing. American American sport is completely different to the UK because the UK you would get that when it gets to professional level, but. At college level, you're, you're, you're not, well, university, you, you don't also, get that here. <laughs> I mean, college, though, it gives students, like, a reason to party, too. Like, they have, no, like, they, mm. let's face it, the, 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 you know, the students who aren't playing, they have nothing to do with the sport. But they're finding a way yeah. to insert themselves into, like, this rivalry. Like, and sometimes yeah. that's the reason why kids go to certain schools as well. Like, solely off of the, the talent that comes within the athletic programs. Like, yeah, they want to go mm. there for academic purposes. But um, say you're a student and, I don't know, you live in Miami. If you're coming to Syracuse, yes, you're going there for school, but you're also going there because you know that they have pretty good sports teams as well. So one of the things that I really admire about, you know, college sports in general um, in America is the community feel that it brings to it. So, you know, again, going back to my experience, you know, it wasn't just um, just, you know, um, attendees at that university. It was actually just locals there. It really there really is a community feel being when you was playing basketball did you feel that it was that you was actually not just playing for the college but you was actually playing for the actual um community the wider community yeah for sure you know you you don't want to disappoint the people that support you or who um there were specific people that you would see sit courtside every single game like they're they're there to mm. watch you guys and support you and get off work early to make it or the parents who would travel up and watch the games like you know you're essentially playing for a bigger purpose than just yourself just for your teammates you're representing your community and you're representing the university as a whole so i feel like you also you always want to shed a good light on your university you never want to have the bad headlines but more so the good ones how is it like playing in front of a crowd because some people in front of a crowd they they will just basically be cold <laughs> they can't perform how was it like for you i love it i think that's mm. the beauty of the sport and like part of the reason why i love sports so much is that the fans get into it like you know there's no better feeling than coming down the court you make a nice move and you score and everybody's like oh like going crazy or you got your friends in the crowd watching and stuff like that um of course, there's games where you naturally just don't perform, you know, that that's life. Mm -hmm. Like, you have a, a bad game, dust it off, got to come back for the next one. I think that's more so just a part of the game and not because of, like, the crowd. I, I can speak for myself, and I think most basketball players feel this way, too. Like, you can be in an arena with a lot of people or a gymnasium with a lot of people, um, 
but when you're playing you're 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 blocking that out like you don't really hear like all the shouts and stuff like that in the gym because you're so focused on the game really until something big happens or you do something crazy or like a buzzer beater or something like you know that it's very clear that you have um, an innate competitive uh, mindset and a very positive and assured mindset. And, you know, at Mind Talks, we do like to, um, you know, advocate a growth mindset. So for an individual that doesn't necessarily have that mindset, um, you know, like yours, that assured mindset, what would be the first steps that you would take with that individual if they did have struggles with even competing in front of a crowd or actually even having self-doubt within self? What would be um, your first steps? I, I think just confidence, like, reassurance sometimes people need reassurance like the the positive reinforcement like you can do this you are good enough to do xyz so i think just having those types of talks with them and also i I think another thing in it and this i don't know if this will sound right but to me it does like i feel like either you got it or you don't like some people are, are born with it like that that competitive edge or or that swag or um you know, like I'm, I'm not worried about nothing but going out here and, and competing. And I think, yeah, I think that also comes along with the territory and why some people pan out and play really well um, at the next level, and why some people are just kind of like here. It's like it's like an edge type of thing. Like you, you got it or you don't. But for those who are younger and trying to develop it, I think, like we said, positive reassurance uh, and and continue to do it. The more that you do it, the more comfortable that you'll get. You have to. Yeah. Uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable and if that's something that you know you don't excel with at the time uh, I think with growth and the continuation factor of just playing in more tournaments or playing in front of crowds more like you, you just it's something that you kind of just get used to in terms of you as an athlete and your mental side of things how would you best describe yourself in three words three words oh you're putting me on mm. the spot mm. um <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, we got her, Dad. Yeah, you got me. You got me. It's the the three words. Okay. Let me think three words that describe myself as an athlete and as a teammate. I would say a winner. And a winner from Hmm. an aspect of I want to see everybody succeed. And I'm going to do what it takes to try to help you succeed in, like, a team activity that will help bring us over the top. Hmm. Um. Ah, okay. Two more words. Two more words. I would say caring. And this Mm. word comes from an aspect of like, you care so much about the success of the team and yourself as an individual that you're, um, like you say, willing to like sacrifice for your teammates and, and make sure that they're good. And then when your, your teammates fail, like you, you care. So I, I would feel like I'm a person that like, uh, cares like I'll, I'll go home and I'll think about something because I care about it so much or like I'll be upset about it so I'm not the type of person who like uh, you know some people fail or we don't do it and they're like oh well whatever F it guess we gotta do it again tomorrow like nah like I, I, <laughs> I, I genuinely like did care like care to the point where I would get upset when I failed at something because it's like I wanted to be good at it and I wasn't so I would definitely say uh, caring and then my last word I would say is um a rider um as far as teammates like i'm gonna I'm ride for you die for you like 
let's let's go let's get after it and yeah I really, really loved. <laughs> good, 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 good. Good. I really, really loved, and it's a phrase that you know is often used, but sometimes I think um, it often gets ignored. And when you mentioned, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Can you just go into a little bit more detail? Really, really going in and really trying to explain the importance of really being comfortable being uncomfortable i love that right so you're not always going to be in situations that are your favorite but i feel like when you go through the ringer in uncomfortable situations and you come out on top that is a testament to who you are as a person that is a testament to Mm. your character to your perseverance to your performing level Mm. So therefore, if you can be in a position where you're uncomfortable, but you find a way to push and you find a way to keep going and you find a way to excel anyway, that shows that you can excel at anything. Now, will it be easy? No, everything's not going to be easy. Sometimes it will be, but will it be worth it at the end? Yes. And that is being uncomfortable and getting comfortable in that position because it's like day one you might go and you might have a test and you might not fail that test i mean you might not pass that test that first day but you don't give up on it and it wasn't a comfortable test at all but you continue to get after it and like hey i ain't passed this time but what do i have to do to make it better and that's the difference between a winner and a loser giving up and not giving up and i think that also puts you in positions to excel when the ball stops bouncing like you apply to a million jobs we all know when you get out of school especially um you know in the states you get out of school you might not get that first job that you apply for you're you're in this position where you're uncomfortable because you're losing and you're not used to being a loser when you were once a competitor or you were in a sport where you know winning might have been all you knew or you're used to succeeding so now you got to sit here and apply for all these jobs. You might be a hundred applications in. You're in a position where you're uncomfortable. You're in a position where you might want to bail on that yeah. profession in which you're going for because you're like, I'm not made for it. Then that one job offer goes through and it's because you just continue to push. It's interesting that you say that because I was having this conversation with someone exactly today um, about that because they were feeling about feeling to give up in in their dreams. And I was like, sometimes you just got to push. Sometimes you have to be in the position where it's not going to be easy. And that's how you grow as a person. When you do eventually achieve that, then you're like, oh, okay, um, you've achieved it and you, you grow. And and then obviously those stories can be passed on to other people and to give them the 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 mindset and the motivation to try and not give up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely a process type of person. It's about the journey that you go through to get to where you are uh, and, you know, the stops that you make in between. But it's all about did you make it through the journey? Um, did you, yeah. you know, some people you got to take the road that's less travel. But when you come out on the other side, of, you know, on top, that's when you feel the best. Talk to us about your podcast, Life After. Um, what inspired you to do it and um, w- what impact do you want it to have on your listeners? So I made this during a time where I was thinking about how can I continue to stay active but talk about something that's meaningful and something that really hit home for me. 
transitioning out of college from being a student athlete it is tough uh, and because you're used to being spoiled in a sense you go to school everything you yeah. know especially if you go to school on a scholarship like i did your meals are covered you're in like we said your comfort zone where you know that you have to get up go to school you have practice you have class and you kind of repeat and do that over again you have teammates to go through the ringer with you uh you have for most people not the same for everybody but more than likely you have some type of support system and then one day you graduate and you realize that it's all over maybe you didn't take the internships in school while you should have um maybe you didn't take going to your advisor seriously because that could have been a person that helps you get ahead maybe you didn't network mm. because you didn't know the importance of networking or learning what that means like myself i didn't understand that i was, I was at a school that was uh, my school was about 60 miles away from espn and i you know would meet people that worked there but didn't uh put the pressure on it to you know set myself up for something when i graduate was it to say that i would have gotten a job there when i graduated no but i i wasn't you know initiating enough talks about that and also when you're in the midst of playing your sport and you love it so much uh the time goes by slow but then when you look up you're a senior and it's time for you to move <laughs> on and go on to the next thing and you didn't put much thought or focus into like what it is that you actually really want to do after college and so that is why um, I made the podcast and I had different people come on and talk about mental health, um, transitioning from being a college student athlete and how hard it is, but also to let those people know who are about to transition and um, who haven't that you're not alone. There, there are people out there who are also going through that same thing. And I think the um, I haven't had a podcast in a while, primarily because I've just been all over the place with my job or whatever, but I do plan on um, starting to back up. But I think the most important thing is for people to know that like, you know, you're, you're not alone. You're not the only person who's going through this. Yep. Here's some different topics to help you get through this. And for those who are about to graduate, here's some steps that you can take. Um, we also had an episode about like cover letters and resumes and how you can get that done in your school. What do you put on your resume when you don't have job experience because you've been playing your sports your whole life? Uh, I think those are things that are important to learn and to understand um and kind of grasp that's fantastic because without this some people will be clueless and to have a podcast like this it will help so many people we like me and nathan talk about in the uk so this is not even to do with college in sport so let's say they are with a team and then the team d decides to let them go they have no idea what they're going to do next that's so obviously like their sport and yeah. i think some people don't have an understanding that one day this will be over via whether it's an injury or you know you something happens with the team gets bought out yeah. the next coach don't want you you have yeah. to have a, a plan b or, or understand what you love outside of your sport and it's okay to yeah. love your sport wholeheartedly but understand that you are a person and you're a human with or without it you're in your you have worth and value Looking back um, at playing basketball um, at college, if there was to, if there was a book to be written about you and your time playing basketball at college, what would be the title of that book? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tykira Carter, the girl who never took no for an answer and persevered. Now that gets a round of applause. No, that gets that. That gets a round of applause. <laughs> That's a good title. I would definitely buy that book. Definitely. Oh, might gotta write it one day. Might gotta write <laughs> Growing up, who were the sports stars that stood out for you and why? So I was a big Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, you know, R.I.P. to Kobe. Love Kobe. R.I.P. That Mamba mentality. Uh, if you if you talk about a winner, he is the epitome of a winner through and through. Um, not even counting championships, but work ethic, mindset. When you watch um, documentaries on him and stuff like that, like he he was just fantastic. You yeah. Can, um, you know his dear basketball. Like after the man was just intelligent as as far as that goes. You know, so uh, a player that was gone too soon, but somebody who I absolutely love watching and uh, you know I'm so happy I grew up in the era where I got to experience him and everything to the table. Um, so, so that's one player, uh, on the female side, I was a big Candace Parker fan and still is, uh, you know, she's still hooping now with the Chicago sky. So mm-hmm. I'll be excited to watch her play, uh, for her new team this season. Um, but she's also a player like watching her growing up. You're like, dang, she's really good at basketball. Like, you know, that that's that's just as simple as that. But she also had like that that do or die mentality um, and, you know, just, just feisty, uh, confident in who she was. And, you know, she, she knew she was that good. And I, I really love watching her game and evolve. Thank you, Takira Carter. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram name is at tykira.carter. That's T-Y-K-E-R-A dot C-A-R-T-E-R. I'm about to tell you my Twitter name. I think it's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so my my Twitter name is at Tykira Carter. So that's at T-Y-K-E-R-A-C-A-R-T-E-R. And if you guys ever want to shoot me an email... My email is cartertykira3 at gmail.com. Be glad to talk to uh, current or former student athletes or really anybody who just wants to connect and network. Okay, thank you very much. Guys, I just want to kind of finish off a little bit differently. So when you've got podcasts like, you know, um, Life After and, you know, podcasts like ourselves, Mind Talks, we really are trying to put the information out there for people who may have needed it or currently need it this is something that's really 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 important and it's important because of the you know current conditions that we're living under Um, there's a lot of pressure a lot of societal pressure and it's absolutely important that this information is out there and people can access this information and can actually you know do something and actually action some of the, the you know from some of the information that they have received so definitely from myself and edwin we really really commend you um tyrika for um you know this life after we absolutely love it and we will definitely promote it but guys really from the bottom of our hearts it's really really important because these are the things that we're really passionate about it's not just about you know having our voices out there it's not for clout chasing it's actually really to impact lives and 
I, I could hearing Edwin just say that is fantastic, and you can hear the the the, the depth and energy in that voice when he said it. It's because these things really mean a lot to us. These things really, really, really mean a lot to us because we know if we had these types of podcasts out there, we may have been um, we may have competed at a different level, and 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 a generation of people may have competed at a different level. So, and going back to uh, Miss Carter's. Miss Carr's podcast it's really really important that people know what to do after because there is such such a um, I'm almost a gap that needs to be filled after someone has been playing at such a high level and then what do I do now but it's podcasts like um, that is actually going to help that transition be a lot more smoother so we really have to start supporting podcasts like this so guys that's all I wanted to finish on um, it was something very dear to my heart and yeah um, if you are a new listener welcome aboard and I hope you like the journey and if you're a regular listener continue to listen to us and thank you once again and until next time guys stay safe stay healthy and bless